I don't care where you grew up. You probably had some older, wiser people who told you how things were back in the good old days. You had somebody who explained to you what life was like before you came along. How the things that you take for granted now were actually invented with labor. Someone had to work hard to come up with that idea. You've probably heard stories about walking to school every day, uphill, in the snow, both ways. How you go uphill both ways, I don't know, but many people apparently did it. Because we hear those stories from our our seniors, our, our gone-before-us people. Let me tell you something you may not know. These stories, these episodes, these anecdotes, these incidences, they're collected by leaders on purpose because they're incredible teaching tools. That's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and you probably have heard this story. It's a story about a battleship that has come to a stop and they can't seem to get it up and going. Now, for some people, it's not a battleship. It's a it's an industrial complex. It's a big warehouse like a, a print shop or a manufacturing plant. But that's not the point. The point is it's come to a stop and they can't get it fixed and all the mechanics have worked on it and nobody can figure out what the real problem is. And so they call the old genius, the strange old coot, the one that nobody really wants to talk to, but Sometimes you got to call him in because he kind of knows things that not everybody knows. And so he walks in the room or onto the ship or into the factory or whatever it is. He walks around this big device several times and then says, can I borrow a hammer? They give him a hammer. He smacks the device and suddenly it's running again. Of all the problems and all the mechanics and everything they couldn't solve, one smack with a hammer solves the problem. The machine's up and running and they're on their way again. Well, he goes to the boss and he hands him a bill for $10,000. And they're like, $10,000? You were here 20 minutes. You, you used one tool and that was our tool. And all you did was smack the machine. How could you possibly worth $10,000? To which the old man replies, I'll tell you what, I'll take $1,000 off the bill because you're right, I did use your hammer and I should have brought my own. But you still owe me $9,000 for knowing where to smack the machine. Now you might ask yourself, is that a joke? Is it an antidote? Is it a real story? <clears throat> I can tell you my own real story. Real, true, genuine, authentic near heartbreaking story. Thanksgiving Day, 2014. We bought a Suburban. It was used when we bought it, so we knew it may have issues. We drive it to Colorado to have Thanksgiving with my wife's side of the family. We stop and spend the night in a hotel outside of, uh, I guess it was between Pueblo and Colorado Springs. We wake up the next morning, her parents are in the car ready to go, we all load back up into the Suburban, and we're ready to go, and I get in the Suburban, and yin, 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 no crank. I mean, it's cranking, but it won't start. And we tried everything. Father-in-law went and got us a gallon of gas, we put that in there, nothing. We tried 
checking all the spark plugs and checking all nothing. We could not make it start for anything. And here we are literally on Thanksgiving Day with a two hour drive ahead of us and about three hours of time left before Thanksgiving dinner starts. So the whole family is potentially waiting on us and we are stranded and there's five of us. We can't all fit in their uh, in grandpa's car to, to get to Thanksgiving. I had tried everything. I called my uncle. He was stuck. This is a guy who's been in mechanics for years and years and years. Finally, I called the AutoZone. They're closed on Thanksgiving. Last hope, O'Reilly's Auto Parts. I call the local O'Reilly's Auto Parts. I'm like, I think I may need a fuel pump. I may need this. I may need that. How do I check for that? And an old guy gets on the phone and he says... Well, before you go taking the fuel pump out, which, by the way, in that truck is in the gas tank. So you have to drop the gas tank, which means taking out the drive shaft and disconnecting some of the shocks before you can get it on the ground. <clears throat> so that's probably a five hour job. But if you need a fuel pump, it's not moving without that. But before you do that, try this. Put a screwdriver on that little valve on the top of the injection line and see if you have pressure. I checked it, no pressure. He said, okay, then you have a different problem. So here's what I want you to do. Now, mind you, we've already poked and pulled and unscrewed and unplugged and reset everything we could possibly think of on this truck. We've moved it to level ground. We've added fuel. We sprayed starter fuel into the uh, carburetor or into the uh, air box for the injector, and it will run for a second and then die. Nothing has worked. The old guy says, I want you to lay down on the ground underneath the truck. And while one person is cranking the key, I want the other one to punch the bottom of the gas tank. And I thought to myself, this old fool has lost his mind. But we took a chance. And that old truck fired up. Now, for what it's worth, that old truck is in my driveway right now. It's over 20 years old. It has almost 400,000 miles on it. I have not yet replaced the fuel pump. But on a regular basis, if I park on a hill and I have less than a quarter of a tank of gas and all that fuel runs to the front and that valve and that gas pump, or that fuel pump lays on the bottom of the tank, it sticks. And I sometimes in my dress clothes have to lay on the ground underneath my truck and punch the gas tank while my wife cranks the key and the old truck starts. Now, you're asking yourself, why do leaders collect stories like that? Because there are some things that are not in the book. There are some things that you cannot be taught by sitting in a classroom. There are academics out there who have fanciful ideas about how the world is supposed to work and how you can change so many things with a notion or an idea. But when they meet the reality of life, they simply don't work. Oh, my son has that fancy several thousand dollar diagnostic tool now. This was eight years ago. He didn't have the tool then. But even with that fancy diagnostic tool, we could have spent 20 or 30 minutes finding that the problem we had was not enough fuel in the pressured system, but that wasn't caused by the fuel pump. 
It was caused by the cutoff of the valve telling the fuel pump not to take gas because there wasn't any, and that would cavitate the pump. But there actually was gas. It was a stuck float valve. That was it. Just a stuck float valve. Well, the cost to replace that isn't worth the trouble. Keep gas in it or smack the tank when it gets close to empty. Those are the two solutions, and they're both a whole lot cheaper than replacing a fuel pump. But see, you wouldn't know that because it's not in the book. You learn that from experience, and that's why leaders collect stories. Stories about relationships, about devices, about tried and true results. Stories about, well, we've tried that. It didn't work. Here's what went wrong. Now, let me give you a word of caution, especially young people, because I struggle with this as an ideologue when I was young, and also as a person who's constantly thinking and studying. I've always got new ideas coming into my head. It took me a while to understand that, number one, just because I have an idea a minute doesn't mean that any of them are worthwhile. In fact, I've told both hiring managers and my coaching clients in the past, my mind never stops coming up with new ideas. New to me. That doesn't mean they're new to you. That doesn't mean they're brilliant. That doesn't mean they'll work. In fact, they might not. In fact, they might be something you've tried before and it was an abysmal failure. But it's a new idea to me that I hadn't thought of before and I will share it with you. And if you've already tried it, tell me. <laughs> we tried that, it's not gonna work. Now that's a double-edged sword though. Because there are those people who will say, yeah, we tried that. It's not going to work. And they really never tried it. Or they never really tried it that way. See, we tried jumping my truck. We thought maybe the battery didn't have enough juice in it. We tried adding fuel to it. That wasn't the problem. We tried putting starter fuel in it, and it would run for a second and then die again. We tried, we tried, we tried, we tried. It would have been real easy to tell the old guy on the phone, we've tried everything. But it wouldn't actually be true because the last thing I thought of was punching the gas tank. And that worked. That was a, way, a rare, off-the-beaten-path solution to the problem that we had. By the way, all of the old Suburbans and Silverados from the 2000s to 2005 or 6, actually from about 90, 99, 2000 switchover till about 2006, they all have the same float system. They all have the same problem. True story. Yeah. And uh, they also have uh, an oil pump problem that is classic to that engine. And if you know that, you know how to solve that or how to avoid getting into that problem. And if you don't know that, find yourself a real mechanic and not a parts changer, and they will tell you what that problem is and how easily you can fix it. You will be astonished. Or send me a private message, and I'll tell you what we did to fix it because it was mind-boggling how simple the solution was, and it wasn't as bad as they thought it was. But see, the other side of that double-edged sword is that sometimes <clears throat> we tried everything, or we've tried that before, is a disguise. It's a disguise. It's a disguise that says, I really don't want any solution that might come from you. No, I want to solve this problem myself. Or even worse, I kind of like having the problem. I kind of like having the problem. 
there's a, a story, not to get theological, but just a historical story from the Bible where a guy is whining about being paralyzed. He's been in the same place for a minute and he's laying there waiting for someone else to heal him. And when the teacher walks by, he asks a very profound question. Now, I heard people teach on this for years and I thought, well, just, you know, kind of laying out the case before he does the miracle, right? But the question has a whole lot of implication behind it that is true of a lot of business leaders today, a lot of department leaders, a lot of retail managers especially. A lot of bureaucrats have the same problem this guy had. See, the question that the healer asked him was, do you want to be well? Well, the truth is, God had been laying here for 37 years in the same spot not getting well, always making an excuse that, well, I can't get there first. Well, I, 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 I tried everything and it's not working. And his excuses led to a different kind of solution. His solution was, as long as I'm laying here for 37 years, even if it's another 37 years, I can keep asking other people for help and people will pity me and they will give to me and I don't have to get up and go get a job, and I don't have to get up and worry about an apartment, and I don't have to get up and worry about transportation, I don't have to worry about feeding myself, and I don't have to worry about any of that stuff that comes with being an able-bodied participant in society. I can lay here as a victim and complain, and others will take care of me. I know there are people, so don't have, you don't have to go complaining to me or whining to me about those who cannot help themselves. I understand there are those who cannot help themselves, and it is the obligation of society to do that. But I will also tell you there's an entire class of people who've been taught all their lives, you are a victim, you should be waiting for somebody else to take care of you. And because of that, they become lazy and inefficient and non-productive members of society. I'm just telling you the truth, whether you like it or not. But see, that's the kind of person... That if you ask them, can I help you? You should also be asking them, do you really want help? Do you want a hand up or do you want a hand out? The master asked him, do you want to be well? And the answer was an excuse. But the question was genuine. Do you want to be well? Because we can solve this problem. I could have kept whining to the old man on the phone and said, but we've tried and we tried and we tried and given him the whole litany of all of the problems that we've had and all the solutions we've thrown at the problem that did not work. I could have done that for hours. When he said, I want you to lay on the ground and punch the gas tank, I went, what? And it was probably similar to the answer the old man had when the master asked him, do you want to be well? Because all he said was, if you want to be well, get up and walk. That was it. That was the instruction. Punch the gas tank. Get up and walk. It was as simple as that. So why do leaders collect stories like this? Because that's how people learn. Oh, I could give you all the facts and figures. I could tell you what the fuel pressure rating is for that, for that particular engine, for that particular year of car, for the fuel pump that it needs, for the kind of fuel, the octane that it needs, for the type of detergents that are needed to keep that valve from sticking on the bottom of the tank. I could give you all of that stuff. Trust me, I read it. 
But when you think about sitting there in the parking lot watching your children cry on Thanksgiving Day because they don't get to spend the time with their family and they're wondering why we can't go and your wife is sitting there having already put her makeup on and freezing because you can't idle the car and you've already checked out of the hotel room and you're sitting in the car freezing in the mountains of Colorado waiting for a solution and you're trying everything and you're feeling like an absolute jerk because you've ruined Thanksgiving holiday by buying a used truck two days before and absolutely determined to bring the old truck on the trip. Yeah, see, you get to take on a whole new set of emotions like I did that day. You get to feel like a real heel, like a jerk, like the Grinch who ruined Christmas, only it's Thanksgiving. And when you get a solution that sounds ridiculous, you're willing, you're willing even to try that. If you're a leader and you're not collecting these kinds of stories to ask yourself, have you actually tried everything? Do you really want help? If the solution comes and it doesn't look like the solution you want, will you still try it? Then you're probably not really deep in your leadership yet. Because nobody's going to learn from the facts and the figures and the data yeah, there's a time and a place for those. But it's the reality of life where that data gets put into practice. All the data in the world would have made my truck start that day. Trust me, we had YouTube channels going on every phone that had a signal. But the old man who had a truck just like that, when we got to O'Reilly's to say thank you to the old man, his truck was in the parking lot, looked just like it, but a different color. He said, I've had it for years. I've always had that problem. I've had mine now for eight years, and I still have that problem. But I also have a solution that stays in the top of my mind because it's a problem that I've walked through. Like the old man on the battleship or the industrial floor, however you want to see that. It was a problem that nobody else could solve except his experience. If you're a leader, every day you're collecting stories. I hope you're writing them down, you're journaling them, you're reflecting on them, you're asking the question, whose life will this change? What other scenario does this overlay with? What other problem could I have? Oh, the same kinds of simple solutions that you might never have thought of arrive in personnel issues. They show up in relationship issues. They show up in negotiation issues. Why do you think leaders study things like the art of war or the art of the deal? Or the art of selling yourself by Harry Beck, or selling the invisible by Harry Beckwith, or the knack for selling yourself. How old is that book? 1940 something. All of these are collections of stories of tried and true experiences that won the day. If you're a leader, any age, any size organization, and you're not collecting the stories of the win that solve a tiny little tweak of a solution against an enormous problem, then you're going to lose some ground as time goes on and you're going to find yourself reliving those stories. If you're not collecting them now, start now. And if you're a leader and you've got a collection of those stories and you're trying to figure out how to use them, call me. That's what Story Power is all about. That's what my coaching programs are all about. And I have politicians from around the world, ministers from around the world, professors from around the world, who have been through my coaching program to learn how to use the stories of their life 
as a powerful tool to lead the narrative in the organizations they lead. Be glad to help you. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, or tell it like it is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.